This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. EM Weekly starting right now, bringing emergency managers from around the world together to learn, share, and collaborate. Hi, and welcome to the EM Weekly Show, and I am your host, Todd DeVoe speaking. This week, we are talking to Mike Cantor, a retired emergency manager that has been using his time wisely, I'd say, and he wrote a book. And this book is going to be great for that volunteer or that friend or family member that you really want to encourage to prepare. And the name of the book is Thanks for Taking the Time to Be Prepared. Well, before we get into the interview... I'd like to invite you to join our Facebook group or take a look at what we're doing on Twitter, on Instagram, and LinkedIn. You know, those uh, social media places are a great way to stay connected with uh, members of the emergency management community, ask questions, and get involved. Our Facebook group is a lot of fun. You know, we get on there and have conversations. We had the uh, book poll this year that will be going, uh, that's out there, and uh, we also have... Uh, Good conversations back and forth, live videos, and just conversations about emergency management in a space where we can talk uh, freely. Uh, it is a closed group, so you have to ask to join, and that's what I think is uh, the kind of cool part about it. Anyway, let's talk to Mike. So I'm excited to have um, my a good friend of mine who I worked with a long time ago, uh, back when I was down in Dana Point, and uh, Mike was in an adjacent city to me, and and we worked on many a project together over the years, and, and I'm excited to have Michael Cantor with me. And he just wrote a book. We're going to talk about his book. It's called Thanks for Taking the Time to Be Prepared, the Handbook uh, for Emergency Preparedness Tips. Uh, it's a really, it's a, it's an easy read. Uh, you, you pick it up, and there's a lot of good information in there. Uh, I got it on Amazon. Um, it's about $15 or so. Uh, you know, so I think it's well worth the well worth the investment. So, Michael, welcome to EM Weekly. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. So, Mike, tell me, how did you get involved with emergency management? Well, you know, I, 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 when I think back on, on the time period and how I got started in government, it was, uh, I think I was just very fortunate. Sometimes you just have to be very lucky. I started working for the city of Beverly Hills back in uh, 1991, and uh, I, I was a program manager there in the transportation department. And uh, that's where I got my start in, in actual public service. But I wasn't working in, uh, you know, emergency management at that time. But I did have opportunities to volunteer as a city employee, you know, to be, uh, you know, to do evacuation drills or just say certain things with safety. But then in 2000, my, my wife and my son, we decided uh, that we, we were going to move. I was living in Santa Monica at the time. And we, we moved to Orange County. We moved to actually to San Juan Capistrano. And uh, for about 15 months, I was commuting from Orange County to Beverly Hills because I was looking for another management position. And I wanted to stay in, 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 in city government. And it's not like you can just transfer. You have to sort of wait until or you have to keep looking until a, uh, a job shows up that, you know, might be a right fit for me. I was looking for a management position. So finally, in 2001, 
an analyst position opened up in uh, in San Juan Capistrano with an emphasis on emergency management. And so at that time, I got together with the emergency manager in Beverly Hills and, uh, you know, just went over, a, you know, a number of things on the basics and things that, that I needed to understand about emergency management to get through an interview. And uh, and I did the interview. And uh, like I said, I was very fortunate. I got hired. I had a lot to learn at that time. But my first responsibility with the city of San Juan Capistrano was to rewrite the city's emergency operations plan. And that was a big project. But that's how I started. I had a lot to learn from there. So you 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 really got into the emergency management, really uh, really took to it. Even picked up some leadership positions in the Orange County Emergency Management Organization. It's called OSIMO, uh, really great organization that uh, I'm proud to be a part of as well. Uh, and you and you really you know took that the emergency management portion and and really grabbed onto it and started leading, including having a pretty decent uh, volunteer program out of San Juan as well. Tell me a little bit about your volunteer program. Well, a- absolutely. You know, that was a, a an important part of, of what I was doing in San Juan or working in the city is that when I was when I was working on the the rewrite or updating the emergency plan, one of the things the one of the sections I came across was talking about uh, the benefit of utilizing uh, volunteers for emergency response. And there was a section in the in the in the plan that talked about CERT which is the community, community Emergency Response Team. For those people that aren't aware of that program, it's a national program that was started by the Los Angeles Fire Department in about 1985 and then subsequently endorsed by FEMA in around 1993. So, but there was no CERT group in San Juan. And I think at that time, this is, this is like 2001, 2002, I think Huntington Beach, had a, had a program. There may have been two or three in, the, in all of Orange County. And so I, I started the, the CERT program by actually going to another city, getting the training, and then getting a, additional training, and then in getting support from my supervisors to start a program. And so I started the CERT program in San Juan Capistrano. And the first class started, I think, in 2002-2003. And then we would conduct a training program for volunteers in the city uh, every six months. But after that, there was that volunteer program. I got approached. Now, I'm, I'm meeting a lot of people in the city, residents and, uh, and, and business operators. And I got approached by an equestrian group. And the equestrian group, actually, you know, they, they got involved in my CERT program. And that's how I got to know them. And there was... I believe there was a wildfire in San Diego County in 2007. That wasn't the only year there was a wildfire, but in 2007, there approximately 700 horses or more were evacuated out of San Diego County up to Orange County. And they used a facility that was later annexed into the city of San Juan Capistrano. It was a riding park, but at that time was part of the unincorporated Orange County. And there was about 40 acres there. And they evacuated and sheltered and took care of horses on that particular property. After that particular event, I got together with the equestrians and also actually, I think it's in my book, actually, there was a veterinarian who was was crucial in starting the program for equestrian response. And she came to me and talked to me about what she'd like to do. She'd like to have equestrians 
that were well-trained and organized so that they could support things like flooding or wildflowers in the event that horses need to be rescued and taken care of. And so as an emergency manager, this I was embracing these kind of ideas because I thought this is what I'm here to do. I'm here to figure out what I can do to improve the community, help the residents, help the business people, and do things that will benefit the greater good of the greater a greater number of people. And so that that particular group became known as the Large Animal Response Team, acronym LART. And and that got started. I forget the exact year that that got going, but that now has over 200 or so equestrians that are trained in that particular program. And then I think, Todd, when you were at Dana Point, you know, the, the ham operators, races operators, we started a tri-cities, you know, races group with ham operators, which was with uh, San Clemente, Dana Point, and San Juan Capistrano. And that was another volunteer group that supported emergency response. So those are the three main groups of volunteer groups that I actually started in San Juan Capistrano. And to this day, they're still there doing very well. Yeah, that's always exciting to to see um, those groups like that that are still around from, from when you started from the beginning. You know, um, I think with actually um, – because of, of San Juan, the pressure for the city of Dana Point to start their own uh, CERT program was there. And, and that's why I got involved uh, with CERT because uh, Dana Point said we needed to start one. And then the same thing with the RACES group when we started the Tri-Cities RACES program. That's how I got involved with, with the RACES programs. And, and both of those I'm still involved with uh, today. And that was from 2000. We started, I started Dana Point 2005. So around that time frame and after the, uh, after the fires. And, and it, it's amazing to see, and that's what I love about emergency management is the collaboration that we do. And then the fact that we can lean on each other and, and learn from each other. So Mike. You know, absolutely. And I was just thinking about the, the races, the races uh, activities or group is, is that, and I, I don't know if this will benefit some of your, your listeners, but when I first applied for my, my job with the city of San Juan Capistrano, one of the requirements was is that I had to get my ham radio license, believe it or not. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, and, and I did. Right. And I did. And they were, they were very impressed in terms of my interview and my presentation because I went through the effort to do that before I did the interview for the job. Awesome. And, and even though I'm not an active racy operator, it was part of my background and part of my experience so that when I was approached by real ham operators, I was able to understand where they were coming from or what the benefit was that they could offer to the community. Right. Right. Yeah. I agree with you. They still talk uh, a different language to me because even though I have my ham license, the same thing, I start talking in some, some words and I'm like, okay, I don't really understand you, but I get what you're coming from. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So let's, so let's fast forward a little bit here. You decided to write a book. So, well, let me let everybody know. So you retired from San Juan and yes. then you decided that you're going to write a book. Talk about that process a little bit. Well, um, you know, if, you know, I, I had a, I had a very long and fruitful career. And during my career in, in government, I did a lot of writing. I did a lot of writing for city council reports. And I also did a lot of, uh, writing of, of, 
of safety uh, emergency preparedness articles to the local newspapers and also posted a lot of things on the city's website. So I had a certain amount of experience in writing. And then as a hobby, as a hobby, when I, I retired, I enjoy writing short stories. Some of them are memoirs, and but the majority of them are fiction, just things I write and I submit them for publication to magazines. However, I'm a year or so to, out of retirement, and I'm thinking, wait a second, I've got a lot of experience here in terms of emergency management. I could write a book. Now, am I writing this book because, wow, I'm going to make a lot of money writing a book? No, I wasn't thinking that. I was thinking, I want to write a book about just emergency preparedness tips, very simple language, easy to understand, so that anybody can follow these kind of points or tips or direction and be able to benefit people. And so I just thought, yes, I'm going to do it. So I wrote the book, and obviously it was, it, it was actually, it was just published earlier this year. And I, I think that for people that take the opportunity to read this book, they'll see that from my point of view, I'm really just talking to the reader. I'm just telling them how important their life is. And, you know, if you can prepare, if you can, if you can look through this whole book, and maybe you can't do everything that's in the book, but maybe you can prepare a little bit. If you can prepare just a little bit based on what you're reading in this book, you're going to be a lot better off than you would have been if you're not doing anything. Oh, but yeah. that's how I got into it. That's how I, I just, I just started doing it. And just like in any writing assignment, there's lots of, you know, drafts, second draft, third draft, rewrites, and making sure that, it, you know, the points are clear and all that kind of stuff. And finally, I had a book, and then I published it. And I'm just very happy that one of those, those stories about, you know, I'm retired now, and look at the success I did after retirement. I actually wrote a book that I think could help people. So, you know, if, if I get it to one more person, and like you said, you posted it, it's just getting to one more person and maybe they can read it and maybe they'll help somebody in their family and then somebody else will help another person. It says that the more of us that are prepared, the better off we're going to be as a community as we respond and take care of each other. So it's like if one more person could be prepared, that's going to help a lot more people. So that was kind of, you know, one of my points in the book. And I think, you know, that goes right back to the um, the idea of the the community emergency response team that you're preparing those individuals so um, they're ready to go for the disaster and it leaves you know everybody else is, is better off because of it because if those people are prepared they're going to be less of a burden on the uh, on the system when a disaster does strike. Absolutely, I, that's the truth. That's the way the system. That's the way it works. That's the way we want it to work. Yes. So you broke it down in a couple, you know, basically part one, part two, part three, so forth. And and each one of them, what I love about it is it's broken down into simple, easy to read, short paragraphs. And and what I mean by that is, I was talking to somebody else about this. I always hesitate to talk to authors about this, but this is something that really you can put in the coffee table or put in the bathroom. And when you're just, you know, have a little bit extra time, pick up and read a couple of paragraphs or a couple of little short chapters and keep continuously learning. It's, it's, you, know, you don't have to pick it up and read it all the way through in, in one sitting. And I, I love the way that you uh, put this together. You know, Did you do that on purpose, the small paragraphs like that? Or is that just the, out of the process of, of writing that you came to that? 
Well, that was that was the it was the process. It is it's always a process. I want it to be simple. I didn't want it to be some two or three hundred pages of technical information. And nobody wants to. Well, I don't want to say nobody likes to read that kind of stuff, but I I didn't want to read that kind of stuff. The book itself is like less than a hundred pages. It's a handbook, and the the information in, in that's in the book. And because I keep it very simple and, and, and all the sections are, are, are very brief and just make basic points, basic understanding so people can understand how to be basically prepared. And then at the end of the book, I have a resource list that lists all the, you know, a number of websites that, and in the book, it says, if you want more detailed information, you can go to any of these websites and look at stuff. But in the bigger picture, you know, all the emergency management websites, have all this information listed. All of them have almost the same information, but very few people go to all these different websites and then look at it and then want to print it or anything like that. So this is like one little handbook that's got all the essentials in it so that somebody, yes, they want to sit down for 10 minutes and just get ideas for 10 minutes and and then go from there. And then, you know, a couple of days later, read another 10 or 15 minutes. Sure, it could be done that way. The most important thing is is that if somebody starts preparing and then somehow continues to prepare and and every every year maybe updates their emergency preparedness and see where they stand as a person or with their family or their household or or something like that. So so I, I I'm glad that you like the style that I used, um, but it it was a process. It, I wanted to keep it simple, but I didn't know how it was going to actually work out until I, I finally got into that second, third, or fourth draft of it. One of the things I like to do when I'm reading through books, especially something like this, I use uh, either dog ear it or I get those, uh, um, those little sticky things you can put in there to, to, to highlight it and, and highlight and underline mm-hmm. this book. And I can really see how this book can be that, that type of book where it's going to be used a lot. It's going to be crinkled pages. You're going to have highlighting uh, things that you think about as you, as you read through it. It's going to make a difference in, in someone's life. Um, as an emergency manager, you know, what I think you sh- we should do with this book is I would love to buy, I'm going to actually, uh, buy a couple of them, uh, give them out as, as prizes to your CERT program members, um, you know, maybe even Christmas gifts. Christmas is coming around the corner, holidays, Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate. If you don't celebrate anything, just as a nice practical gift to somebody who you care about. I, I think this is a, a really really well put together um, um, book. And I'm not saying that just because I like Mike. I'm saying that because I read through the book and I, and I really do uh, think it's, it's a good book. <laughs> so Mike, if there's a couple thank things. You, thank, thank you. Thanks for saying that. <laughs> the rest of that story when we return from our break. Exercises are a cornerstone of emergency preparedness, but can be costly, time-consuming, and complicated. TTX Vault can ease the exercise planning process with our wide array of tabletop, drill, and functional exercise packages that are fully adjustable. Once you choose the appropriate discipline and emergency scenario, you'll receive the exercise, all HSEEP suggested paperwork pre-filled out, access to our online simulation environment, Chelsea County, USA, and 30 minutes of phone consultation. Get your time back at ttxvault.com. Seconds count during an emergency. That's why at Titan HST, we connect people with the latest technology possible, whether it's mesh networking, augmented reality, or real-time translation, allowing people who need help to find help immediately. Immediately. 
better matters because lives matter. Welcome back from that quick break, and thank you so much for listening to the sponsors because without them, we couldn't do what we're doing here at Ian Weekly. And hit them up, check them out, say hi, tell them that uh, we sent you. Now for the rest of the story. I read this article, and I keep harping on this, and I feel like Emergency Management Magazine is going to be mad at me because it's their article. But they were saying how the collective wisdom of emergency managers are all retiring out, and this new generation coming back has to reinvent the wheel. If there's something that you could say to the new generation of emergency managers coming out, what would you like to say to them? Now, you know, before I try to answer that question, the, the quote you had from the magazine was something to the effect that uh, there's a, a pool of managers that are retiring now and without a, a large enough group following them or something to that effect. What was the, what was the, Oh, sure. The yeah. Intent of the-, the, the intent of the article is that um, emergency managers are retiring and there's a, there's a, a knowledge vacuum now because all the old knowledge is leaving with them. I, I don't buy into that because I always, you know, think about firefighters and police officers. There's a bunch of retired new ones coming up. I think there's enough of us in the middle that are still here that can, can monitor the new ones up. But that was the gist of the conversation. So as a retired emergency manager, what would you say to the new emergency managers coming up behind us? Okay. Well, first of all, I kind of agree with you. I don't, I don't think there's a void. I think there's a lot of young people that are coming in or, or even middle-aged that are coming in, just people that are starting. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. But I, I think that um, if I was to talk about, you know, what they should strive to do is that, um, uh, well, on one hand, if they're replacing uh, somebody who's retiring out of their organization, whether it's in, you know, the public sector or the private sector, are they able to actually find that person and actually just chat with them about things? to understand how they ran their particular operation or something like that. They're not always available in some, you know, but it's, it's worth trying to talk to those people. You, you know, one of the worst things that uh, takes place in some organizations is, is somehow a person is leaving and then they're hiring on a new person and then they want that other person to, uh, to come back and train the new person. Uh, and excuse me for saying this for free. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's like, you know, why didn't you think of this before I was leaving? You could, and if you could have hired somebody uh, earlier on, et cetera, et cetera. But, but I think that uh, emergency managers, uh, as a whole, and this is the way I feel about it, are, are, are a dedicated group that are primarily, you know, with a certain skill set that are really concerned about helping people. Right. And that, of course, they're talking about the community and a, and a particular emergency or disaster. So I say the same thing goes out to just, uh, you know, people that are working in our field. We're there to help each other. And I think that one of the things that really helped me, I talked about this a little earlier. One of my first um, assignments was to rewrite the emergency operations plan. I couldn't have done that without the help of other emergency managers that were in Orange County. And you mentioned OSEMA, the Orange County Emergency Management Organization. That's where I met people. And that's the number of those people. Actually, it, it was Fortunate again, a committee was starting to help people rewrite their emergency plans in the same year that I was doing it. So to new people that are coming in, relationships with other emergency managers, if in the the, the county or or the area that you uh, are going to be working in, in Orange County, it's the Orange County Emergency Management Organization. Once you 
join that group or attend those meetings, you're going to be meeting a lot of people who are there going to help you in a lot of areas. So reaching out to people for, for help is very important. Don't be shy about that. That's an important point to, to try and remember it and keep in mind. People are, people are going to want to help you. You'll be very surprised. And then I think that a couple of key things are important. Uh, you, you got to be very patient about what you're trying to do and what you're trying to learn. And you want to have a lot of appreciation and respect. Appreciation for the job that you got, the appreciation for whatever the challenges are in the job, and then respect for the people that you're working with. And that includes volunteers and actually all your other peers. I think those are really important key things for new people that are coming in. It's, you're not working in, uh, you're not working by yourself in a sense. You're working with a lot of different people. Every time there was a sort of a real world event that went down in Orange County, everybody was working together to help. Yeah. Even, if, even if it wasn't their city, every, right. there would be calls. Do you need my help? Do you need my help? If you need us, we're here to help you. It was just, just the way it works. So that's a very important thing to keep in mind. What do you does think? That, does that kind of does that answer that question a little bit? Oh yeah, for sure. What do you think your biggest challenges were when you were working as as an emergency manager? Well, for me, you know, it's everything is is kind of relative to the time period. I, I don't, you know, maybe things go in cycles or that kind of thing. For me, we're talking two thousand one. Decision makers, you know, they weren't opposed to to being prepared but it was not high on their priority, you know? So keep in mind, I was hired as an analyst with an emphasis on emergency management because they figured we don't need somebody to work full time as an emergency manager. So the, I was working, I had responsibilities in a lot of areas, emergency management being one of them. But as the years went on and I, I gained the trust of the decision makers, et cetera, et cetera. Little by little, my job was really all about emergency management, but that took time. Right. One of the challenges is that all public employees, because of the oath that they take, you know, in, in a time of need, emergency or a disaster, they have to put on another hat, and that's called the uh, disaster service workers. And when I came in in 2001, one of the challenges was that they weren't doing anything as disaster service workers. They weren't being trained. They weren't being prepared. They were just doing whatever their regular jobs were. And so one of the challenges was I had to take the time to explain to them that if there was a real emergency, you might be asked to do certain things. And so there was a lot of pushing and, you know, pulling, you know, in, in, in that particular area. But it, that, once again, that took patience. And appreciation of who they were and respect for who they were. And with the support of decision makers, little by little, the people started to realize that, oh, we understand. Thank you for reminding us of that oath we took five years ago or 10 years ago or 15 years ago that mentioned that we also have to wear the hat of disaster service workers. And so that was one of the main challenges when I started because there wasn't any ongoing training being done you know, in an emergency operations center or just people knowing, you know, how they would function in an emergency operation because they they just, nobody was there taking that responsibility. I was the first person hired by the city of San Juan 
to uh, to focus on emergency preparedness. So with that in mind, I had to work towards educating and training the staff, you know, how to take on responsibility outside of their standard job description. And that took time and patience. Uh, another challenge that I had was that there was no uh, dedicated emergency operations center, EOC, mm-hmm. which uh, because there was no dedicated one, and I think maybe there's a lot of emergency managers that had to deal with this. My first step was to create what is called an ELC in a box. And uh, in other words, all the supplies and equipment needed to stand up an EOC was boxed up in a storage area. And when the EOC was needed for training or a real world event, we had to take everything out of storage and set it up. And of course, that took a lot of practice. So it took me, you know, when you talk about challenges here, what I had to deal with, it took me about seven or eight years to put the resources together to identify and establish a dedicated EOC. And in San Juan, eventually, it became part of the police services building. And that facility had offices for, for police staff that also included a great space for the EOC. So, you know, training employees to become aware of their other responsibilities besides what their specific job description had or indicated. And then also establishing a center where we could manage an emergency, you know, took a while, but those were the, those were the initial things that I had to deal with uh, when, when I started out. That's great stuff right there because I mean, for the students that are coming up behind us and, and those that are new, those are definitely some of the challenges that, that we've had. And, and the cool part about it is that there are guys and gals like Mike um, who, who were there dedicated enough to, to get these EOCs up and running. And you guys are the new students and the new employees coming behind us are, uh, are beneficiaries of that hard work. Mike, what book, can't recommend your own because I've already recommended that. What book or books do you recommend to somebody who wants to get into leadership or emergency management. I think this is where I apologize to you because I'm I'm really not able to recommend a, a specific book or books for your listeners. You know, maybe this is a little redundant of what I've sort of mentioned a little earlier, but maybe I can answer the question this way or a different way. I, I'm assuming that there is a lot of, based on what you're saying, there's a lot of students that listen to your podcast. And that being said, I'm sure they've got an abundance of required reading. They also probably have lists of recommended articles or, or books that they, that they would like to read based on what's being recommended on class lists. But the way that I would, I'd like to answer that question is that I, I would say that whatever you're reading, try to always find the diamonds in that material that will make you better at what you do or what you're trying to do. You know, if it's emergency management, regardless of whatever the title of the book is about, how will that said book improve your skills? And you mentioned leadership here, I, I think just a, you know, a minute or so ago, is that emergency managers, regardless of how many supervisors are, are above you, you're, you're a leader. Once you establish your particular program, you're going to be leading a lot of people. And, you know, when I jumped back to the CERT program, there were, I had over 300 people in that CERT program, over 200 people in the equestrian program, and about 40 in the races program. I was leading all those people, not, not specifically directly every day, but 
that's, you know, when you talk about a manager that has two or three employees that he supervises or she supervises or 10 or something like that, or a director of a department head that maybe has 20 employees, I had 500 or more people that I was responsible for. So whatever you're reading, try and look for those things that are going to make you a better leader, a better person. So in emergency management, we're trying to do the greatest good for the greatest number of people. So whatever you're reading, look for those things in your books or in your reading material. What can make you a, a better person or a person that people can follow or a person that people can listen to? And then I, I kind of reiterate what I maybe have already said uh, so far today, that uh, appreciation, respect, and patience you can work towards those particular things, no matter what you're reading about and bring out that in your particular life, it's going to be, uh, it's going to play very well in your career. So I'm sorry about not giving you a title. <laughs> no, it's fine. That's fine. That's a great answer. Before we let you go, got a couple more questions for you. One is how do people find you? And thanks for taking the time to be prepared. Well, the book, the book is available, uh, at Barnes and Noble, uh, you know, online and at Amazon.com online. And so you either type in just my name or the title of the book and it'll pop right up. And it's available as a ebook or in paperback. So it's, you know, whatever works best for you. As far as contacting me, I have no problem giving, uh, out my email, but, uh, being that I'm a retired guy, I have no professional website or anything like that that's uh, available at this time. So, uh, but my email, you, would you like that? Sure. Well, the email that I'd like you to use is michael27cantor at gmail.com. And, and if you guys are driving down the road right now, uh, don't worry about it. I'm going to have all this stuff in the show notes. So you can come back later to uh, emweekly.com or to the show notes and whatever listening device you're listening to. And you can click onto that and get a hold of, of uh, Mike and also uh, go to both the links where you can purchase his, his book as well. All right, Michael, what would you like to say to the emergency managers that are currently out there right now? Well, you know, it's funny that I, for some people they go, boy, he's already said this five times. <laughs> but I'm saying it to you. I'm saying it to you folks now. The next generation of emergency managers that are coming on, and the ones that are actually still in the field, I really appreciate what you do, and I really respect what you do. It's not an easy job. You know, every time there is a real world event, it's like emergency managers are trying to coordinate the response with all the professional first responders, which is, you know, fire and police, et cetera. Sometimes it's a thankless job because no matter how well you do in that response, there's always going to be injuries, destruction of property, and you hate to say it, but there are fatalities that, that just happen. And as great a job as you might be doing, it's a very difficult position to be in because the public is so critical of emergency, you know, response, even though, you know, most of the time it's a, it's a natural disaster. It's not man-made. It's just things that happen. Right. So, so I'm just saying to you folks out there is that I'm somebody who really appreciates and respects what you do or what you're going to be doing. And you got to wear your hat like that because it's a great career. And actually, even though I'm saying that, 
There's going to be many times where it's going to be difficult to please the public. You're still going to have a lot of people that are going to be extremely thankful for what you do. So true. Well, Mike, I want to say thank you for spending some time here today with Ian Weekly. And uh, it's great talking to you again. And I'd like to see you again sometime. Well, thank you. I appreciate the time, Todd. Thank you.